Human rights are women's rights. Change the world. <laughs> to Global Dispatches. This is your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, and I am here to tell you today that Khalifa Haftar is making moves. Who is Khalifa Haftar? He is the renegade Libyan general whose actions over the last few days have brought the country to the brink of civil war. And these actions have been really audacious. A militia allied with General Haftar earlier this week stormed Libya's parliament. Uh, And then a few days before that, the government had to impose or call for a no-fly zone over the city of Benghazi because General Haftar was using air assets to attack militia groups there. I'll have to check, but that could be the first time in the history of the world that a government called for a no-fly zone over its own territory. To help me understand the situation and give context to what's going on in Libya, I caught up with Marine Kessely. She's a reporter for France 24 and RFI and is based in Tunisia at the moment. A quick reminder, every Thursday I'm going to post an interview like this that is a shorter conversation with a journalist or think tank type about something topical and in the news. Every Monday, I'll post a longer conversation with a foreign policy newsmaker, someone you've probably heard of or you've heard of their affiliation, if nothing else. Uh, And these conversations explore the background, the roots, the life story of this foreign policy influencer. You can see a number of these conversations in the archives, so please subscribe to the podcast via iTunes. We're now available on Stitcher Radio, which is a popular podcast app. And as always, the conversations are posted to UN Dispatch. Here it is, my conversation with journalist Maureen Kessely. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. So from where I sit, it looks as if Libya is closer to a civil war than it has been since the fall of Gaddafi in 2011. I wanted to get your take on what's happening now and why does that seem to be the case? Well, it's certainly a very uh, turning point for uh, Libya now. It's really a very important move that um, that uh, the operation that Khalifa Haftar uh, led on Benghazi uh, last Friday. Uh, just to go back on what happened, um, basically the forces from Khalifa Haftar, who's a retired general who doesn't who doesn't belong to the army anymore, uh, led an offensive against. Uh, Islamist militias in, in Benghazi, in the east of the country. And militias there are very, very numerous. So he led the offensive against his, uh, the headquarters of the Islamist militias, uh, saying he wanted to purge uh, the country of uh, extremist uh, groups. And then two days later, on Sunday, west of the country, in the capital in Tripoli, you had the militias from the western city of Zintan, uh, who attacked the parliament and said they supported the operation. 
And so, because they attacked the parliament, because they considered the parliament to be a pro-Islamist. So they said that they were um, serving the same cause, basically wanted to get rid of the extremist and Islamist groups in Libya. So it's certainly a turning point now. The question is more uh, how much support uh, Haftar uh, is getting or is going to get, and how is it going to unfold. So... How, why is it that, that Khalifa Haftar, this renegade general, decided seemingly all, all of a sudden to, as you said, launch attacks in Benghazi, then call on his allies in Tripoli or near Tripoli to attack the parliament? What's his motivation? Well, it's not the first time that he made such statements. Uh, Khalifa Haftar came back to Libya in the revolution in 2011, and he fought against uh, the troops loyal to Gaddafi. So he was in the revolutionary, um, he was with the, the, the rebels at the time. And since the beginning, since the end of the revolution, really, he posed as a defender of army interests. And uh, basically what happened then is that for a month and month, he found that the new authorities, and especially the Islamists and the extremist militias or brigades, like even revolutionary brigades, uh, were not supporting the rebuilding of, uh, armed, uh, of an army, of a proper army. So for months, he had been calling of more support for the army, etc. And last February, so only a few months ago, he made a statement saying that the parliament should be suspended and that a presidential committee should rule the country until next election. And at the time, everybody laughed at him and said uh, it was a failed coup attempt. So basically, he has been since last February, since this statement, he has been on the ground and trying to engage with uh, elders from the tribes and with uh, army officers and trying to um, show them that he was the one who could support the cause uh, because um, the army has been really targeted. All the security and judiciary apparatus, especially in the east, has been targeted uh, by a series of assassinations and they felt that Tripoli has done nothing or very little to protect them. So his star really has engaged with them and that's why now he's getting some support uh, from them. And he seems to have a pretty interesting background. Um, he was an old confidant of Gaddafi. They came up together as, as officers in the 60s when the, uh, they overthrew the, the former king of Libya. Uh, but he also seems to have fallen out of favor with Gaddafi. I guess who is this this person? He seems rather enigmatic and, and uh, a rather um, – you know, a, a person who who you know is sort of suddenly has risen to fame, but who is probably known inside Libya for a long time. I guess who, who is he and what's his background? Yeah, as you said, I mean, he was with Gaddafi uh, when um, when the coup happened against King uh, Idris, and then he uh, led the, he led the Libyan troops in the war uh, against Chad in the eighties, and that's a very and then he went to the U.S. And the way that he went to the U.S. and then why and how is still very confusing. So you have different versions on that story. What Some are what are the theories? What's your theory on on what happened? Yeah, the, the, the theories are. Um, so the, one of them is that he has been betrayed by Gaddafi because uh, basically the war in Chad was a complete disaster for Libya. So uh, Gaddafi uh, asked him to leave. Or another version is that he was the one betraying Gaddafi. And a third version that is more widely accepted is that he was captured and then um, sent to the U.S. and then 
the U.S. Uh, asked him basically to cooperate with them. So he was living very close to the CIA in the U.S. And from them, uh, from there, uh, accordingly, he was trying to help topple Gaddafi, but never managed to overthrow him. Um, and so he just came back to Libya in 2011, uh, the, in the first few weeks of the revolution, at the early stages of the revolution, and fought with the revolutionaries at the time. Um, so, and then the thing is, like, because he was in the army before, he has some support of officers from the former army. It doesn't mean that he has the support of people who were with Gaddafi, but he has the support of people who belong to the former army. And that's something um, that the new authorities, new Libyan authorities, got worried about. Now, is there a sense inside Libya uh, that because... You know, he lived in Virginia, as you said, not far from CIA headquarters, that he was probably some intelligent asset, an American intelligent asset, that his current operations today are somehow tacitly supported by the Americans? Well, Libya is definitely the land of rumors and conspiracy theories. So a lot of people think that. So far, we have no proof of this. So I would not, um, I would not be able to assume anything. But basically, some people, yes, they, they wonder, uh, who is this man and um, what support does he get? And also, apart from the U.S., does he get any support from Egypt or, or Algeria? Um, that's something that uh, Libyans uh, on the ground uh, are really concerned about. But so far, even people who, are, who have doubts about uh, about the man himself. A lot of people actually support his operation, but not the man himself. So you have a lot of um, groups who uh, say they support Haftar, but who say they don't support the man, but they support really the movement. They support the cause, and they want to get rid of extremists and or Islamists. And he also is not very clear I'm not very clear on who he wants to fight. In some interviews, he said that he wants to fight the Islamists, like politically also. And in other interviews, he says that he wants to fight the extremists, which is slightly different. Uh, so he makes a distinction between the extremists and the Islamists, the Islamists being the groups that currently wield the most power in, in parliament, right? Well, he didn't really make the, the he didn't really make the, the distinction, but he gave different answers in different interviews. So that's what what that's that's mm -hmm. a bit confusing because you have extremist group, okay? You have like extremist militias in Benghazi, and they're very uh, powerful, and a lot of people want to get rid of them. But then you also have um, the political Islam, so Islamism and the Islamist uh, political movement uh, in the parliament, for example, who are very who are the ones uh, dominating the the parliament. And so it looks as if he is gaining some political support in this effort. I, I saw recent reports indicating that the that Libya's ambassador to the United Nations, for example, is supporting him. Uh, is there a sense that right now the political elite in Libya is um, sort of being asked to side with him or side against him, and that this is a very sort of defining? Uh, moment in India, in Libya's sort of nascent political system? It is a very defining moment, definitely. And now people have to say whether which side they are on. And actually, it's quite interesting. You have some uh, forces on the ground who decided not to say anything to, to, to remain sort of neutral, which is because a reason to be concerned for the future because they want to uh, remain neutral. Um, but basically, Hector has gained in the last few days a lot of support, especially in the East. 
So you now have the head of the special forces who said they supported him on Monday, and that's very important because the special forces are one of the only legitimate and respected forces in Libya to be fighting um, the extremists. Then you also have uh, the commander of the military zone in Tobruk, which is east of Benghazi, and also a number of um, el uh, tribe elders who said that they supported um, Haftar. And then uh, last but not least, the man who is uh, responsible for the blockade of the uh, oil terminal since last summer also said that he was supporting not the man but the action. I mean, he remained a bit vague, but he's supporting the uh, operation dignity, as it's called now. So Haftar has gained a lot of support in the East. Now, in the West, it's a bit more confusing. So you have the, the Zintani Brigade who supports uh, the, uh, the operation. And uh, recently, the government made a proposal that goes in the same direction that what uh, Haftar was asking. Um, the, the government actually asked the parliament or proposed that the parliament would go into recess until the next election. So now, really, um, the politicians have to side uh, either with or against Haftar, and it's a bit difficult for uh, some of the groups who are um, quite in the middle. But so far, he has gained a lot of support in the East, and now um, it's really interesting. It will be really interesting to see how the Islamists will react, uh, either in Tripoli or in Benghazi. Well, is there a real concern, though, that, that this will spiral into a very bloody and protracted civil war? I mean, he seems to have a lot of military support and a good degree of, of political support, but so does the other side. Uh, and, you know, there, as, you, as you indicated, as you said earlier, there are, like, various competing militias in Libya with various competing ideologies and, and agendas, is there, is there just this, this really profound concern that this could get really bad very quickly? Yeah, that's definitely a concern. And he was actually asked the same question in one of the recent interviews he gave. And he answered that with, the people are with me. So that's an answer I think we've heard from many, um, from many men taking power. So that's not a really clear indication. It's definitely a worry that he, I mean, that's what's going on now in the year could uh, turn out into a civil war. But so far, the situation is a bit more calm with the, the proposal of the government and the next election at the end of June. But the election won't solve anything. It's just a way of getting some, of getting some time and of trying to find uh, a solution through compromises in Libya. Um, but what's really important to remember regarding Libya is that the tribes play a very important role. So if you manage to gain some time and have the proper uh, negotiations with uh, tribe elders, that may uh, help to find a solution. Um, but definitely uh, what's going on in, Lib in Libya now is, is really a turning point. But talking about civil war so far is a bit early. But that's definitely a concern that everybody has in mind. And how has the United States so far reacted to uh, what's going on and in, in, in more broadly speaking, NATO? Um, the United States have remained quite vague. Um, they say that the don't um, they don't want to get involved politically and that uh, Libyans have to make their own, um, have to choose their own future or something like that. And I think, uh, ambassador, uh, U.S. ambassador to Libya, Deborah Jones, is actually talking today, uh, in Washington, um, with the political elite, but also she's holding a, a press conference, something like that. So that would be worth uh, checking out exactly what the latest she has to say. And uh, you are in Tunisia right now, uh, I, I believe. Is that correct? 
Yeah, that's correct. And, uh, you know, I, I take it that neighboring countries are probably kind of concerned or very concerned about unrest in in uh, Libya and how that might affect them. It, it, like, are there are there any sort of preparations being made for, you know, to secure the borders or to, to do anything to, um, you know, maybe prevent uh, unrest in Libya from spilling across the border? Yeah, neighboring countries are definitely very worried, especially uh, Tunisia, because Tunisia has a large number of Libyan refugees uh, on its ground. I mean, recently the Ministry of Interior said that there were a million and nine hundred thousand Libyans living in Tunisia. So that would be like a third of the Libyan population. That seems quite unrealistic, but it still uh, indicates that they have, I mean, they have a really big number of Libyans. I think the most realistic figure would be like a million and two hundred thousand, which is quite a lot already. Um, so Tunisians actually are very concerned about um, having more uh, Libyans coming to Tunisia. Even though they bring uh, money, they also bring more troubles. Um, that's what the Tunisians consider. So um, Tunisia actually sent about 5,000 men to the border. Uh, Algeria has closed the border, I believe, and they will have also closed the embassy and a consulate in Tripoli. Um, and Tunisians are also quite uh, worried because um, they fear that a lot of uh, trafficking is going on on the border. So the less uh, Libya is stable, the more traffic, and when I'm talking about trafficking, it's not only about products, uh, electronic products or cigarettes, it's definitely about weapons and men, and especially, for example, young Tunisian men uh, going uh, to Syria through Libya uh, to fight what they believe is the jihad in Syria. So Tunisia and Algeria are very concerned, and I think uh, Egypt has also sent a lot of uh, security forces to its border. Uh, and finally, how do you see the situation resolving? What do you predict will, will happen in the, in the coming weeks? Well, I think Libya is definitely one of the less uh, predictable countries I've ever um, I've ever worked in or I've ever visited, really. So it's really hard to predict what's going to happen. It may as well uh, come down completely for a few days or a few weeks or a few months. Uh, there is something that some Libyans call the um, Tripoli complex, for example, or Tripoli phenomenon, is that you may have a lot of um, fighting or bombing or clashes in the night, and then the next morning you wake up and everything is fine. It's a bit um, more quiet than, um, than usual, but it's all fine. So that may that may happen. I mean, it may calm down for like days, weeks, and months, and then just erupt again. Or they may find a political uh, deal, which I'm, I'm not too sure what it would be because I don't see the Islamists leaving completely the political scene. And I don't believe that the uh, Islamist, um, the extremist uh, militias in Benghazi would leave. So uh, I'm not too sure really what to predict for, for Libya in the future. Uh, well, Marine, thank you so much for your time and for sharing your insights. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you all for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye.